Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So Ray told me that man in the mirror was going to bring down the house. (laughs) He was right. We are finishing up the Prophet to the Generation series with Gen X today. And people have asked us, why did we go out of order? Why did we put the 80s and the 90s generation last? And it is in part because we are referred to as the forgotten generation. Do you want to know how forgotten we are? CBS News forgot us. When they were doing a report on the generations, you see how there's no one born between 1965 and 1980? According to CBS News, they, they just left us out. And it's so ironic because maybe one of the best known songs for my generation is, Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. You want to know how forgotten we were? Our parents didn't remember they had us. Every night at 10 o'clock, the news started like this. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? So it looked a little bit like we were forgotten. And we tie in with Hosea, which is really why we're doing this, because we actually match really well with Hosea, which is a prophet that a lot of people would like to forget, in all honesty. I mean, it's a very problematic prophet. There's a lot to work with there that people don't necessarily want to deal with. And so, as Gen X, I feel Hosea's pain on that. So, we're going to look at Gen X and Hosea and how they relate to one another. And to get that in a frame of mind, let's start with Hosea. You're going to hear two passages, one from Hosea 1 and one from Hosea 2. The Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will destroy the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the Jezreel Valley. Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Name her no compassion, because I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel or forgive them, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah. I, the Lord their God, will save them. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When Gomer finished nursing no compassion, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said, name him not my people because you are not my people and I am not your God. I will take you for my wife forever. I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in devoted love and in mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. On that day I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they will answer the earth. The earth will answer the corn, the new wine, and the fresh oil, and they will answer Jezreel. I will sow him for myself in the land, and I will have compassion on no compassion. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So I accomplished Barbenheimer. I went to see Barbie and Oppenheimer, not in the same day, but I've done both. 
And I've been thinking a lot about the message of those two movies, especially in light of the generations, because it seems to me that Oppenheimer raises this question of what do we deal with ourselves on the other side of nuclear power? How do we manage such a godlike power? And then Barbie raises for us, especially in light of the rise of artificial intelligence, Barbie raises for us questions about what makes humans human? What makes us real? And as I said, I've been thinking about that in light of this because it seems to me that I've discovered a pattern of the generations. And the pattern is this, that there seems to be a generation that is sort of visionary and comes up with these ideas that push us beyond. And then the next generation has to deal with the repercussions of those visions. And so the greatest generation creates nuclear power. And then the silent generation has to keep everything together, keep everyone calm so we don't level the world. And millennials developed social media, which consequently has given rise to artificial intelligence. Gen Z is going to have to figure out how to find our humanity again in the midst of it. And boomers kicked off the big social movements of our world and saw some tech visions. Ray made reference to landing on the moon, right? Kicked off that visionary, we can go beyond with technology. And Gen X had to make all of that happen. Generation X are the generational middle children right now. We stand right in the middle of all of the generations, but we might also be referred to as the extreme transition generation. And to give us an image to hold that in mind, I want us to think about school desks and what school desks have protected us from throughout the ages. So they have always protected us from natural disasters. They were the things we hid under for tornadoes and earthquakes, right? Didn't matter, either generation for that. From the 50s to the 80s, they were also what we hid under to avoid nuclear fallout. I don't know about you all, but I never think that was really going to save us from nuclear fallout, but that's what we did. We got under our desks. From the 1990s on... We got under our desks to avoid school shootings and terrorist attacks. There's one generation whose childhood hung in both of those worlds, who had to fear nuclear war and school shootings and terrorist attacks, and that was Generation X. We stood in the middle of both of those realities. We also made the transition from analog to digital. We transitioned the world through that. We had a childhood of riding bikes with no cell phones. So if you scraped your knee on the other side of town or twisted your ankle, you had to figure it out with your friends, right? (laughs) How to get home. There was no calling mom and getting help. We also had to do research in hardcover encyclopedias, right? which maybe you had to go to the library for. Maybe, if you were lucky, you bought enough groceries that you got an actual encyclopedia that you could have at home, or you were friends with a family who was rich enough to have the encyclopedias already at home, right? That's how we did that. But we were also the childhood who had Atari. I saved up money for a TI-99. I was trained on a Commodore 64 in school, and of course we played Oregon Trail. Right? Exactly. The boomers will tell you Al Gore famously said that they invented the internet. And what they did was they put the um, infrastructure in place for the internet to happen. 
They did the political moves that needed to happen for that to be the reality. And the millennials made it cool. Gen X built it. And then when it comes to social change, civil rights, equal rights, the sexual revolution, gay rights, all of those were kicked off by the boomers. They fought hard for these ideals. But then Gen X had to actually make it happen. We were the first generation that went to school entirely integrated. But no one gave us a plan, a map, for how we were going to learn to get along with each other when our parents and grandparents maybe or maybe didn't support that. And then when it comes to equal rights, mothers went to work in vast numbers, which was a great thing. But childcare hadn't caught up. There weren't a vast number of daycares, so we just walked home to an empty house with a key around our neck, which is why we are the latchkey kids, right? And we raised ourselves. That's why I say sometimes the feral children have grown up, right? Um, but also with increased women in the workplace came a rise in divorce because women had the freedom now to leave abusive marriages. But with the rise in divorce, the stigma on children for coming from a divorced home did not catch up so fast. And so my generation was from the broken homes. The latchkey kids and the broken homes. And Stonewall may have happened at the behest of the boomers and gay people came out of the closet and suddenly we had a lot of things to talk about around that, but my generation lived with the fear of AIDS. I remember being terrified to scrape my knee on the playground because I might get AIDS. And as I reflected on these transitions that happened, I realized that these idealistic generations that are on either side of us, the boomers and the millennials, had names for these big movements. There's civil rights and there's Black Lives Matter. But when you talk about race relations in the 80s and 90s, you talk about Rodney King and O.J. Simpson. And then there was the Equal Rights Amendment and hashtag Me Too. But when you talk about it in Gen X terms, it's Anita Hill and Monica Lewinsky. And then there is Stonewall and It Gets Better. But when you talk about it in the 1980s, it's Ryan White and Matthew Shepard and Ellen DeGeneres. Because the reality is that movements have to go from big ideas to impacting the everyday lives of people. And some generation has to pull us through the impact of everyday lives on people. And that's what Gen X has done. And that's why, for a lot of reasons, we resonate with Hosea. There is a flow to prophecy. The prophets announce big change is coming and then have to live through the reality of the decisions that are made that make that change happen. And so this is what Hosea experiences, and particularly Hosea's family carries the weight of what's happening with Israel and God. It impacts Hosea's family directly. He is told to marry a prostitute, to represent the relationship between God and Israel, but it's still a real woman that he marries. He's told to marry a prostitute and have children and name those children Jezreel, not my people, and no compassion. Can you imagine being the kids with that name, right? They have to carry the weight of the prophetic reality on their real lives and bodies. And I've been thinking about Hosea's children and that they're in a sense branded, right? What must it have been like to be Hosea's kids, 
right? To walk around much of your life as not my people and no compassion. And then all of a sudden, and by the way, to be the children of divorce, because Hosea was called to marry Gomer, divorce her, and remarry her. The kids get pinged around, the wife gets pinged around in the midst of this. But not only do they get pinged around as children of divorce, but they also get their names changed. Not my people becomes my people. And no compassion becomes compassion. And I have to think, after all that they've been through, that they might have just gone, whatever, Dad. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, seriously. Why are we being drugged through this? They, in a sense, have become brands. And as Gen X, I understand them. Because there may be no more branded generation than Gen X. Think of these brands from your childhood. Guess Jeans. Kids, which I'm currently wearing, members only, aviators, Izod, polo, or I bet I can do this, sing along if you know it, Big Mac, filet of fish, quarter pounder french fries, icy coke, thick shakes, sundaes, and apple pies, you deserve a break today at McDonald's, or the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, or... My baloney has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name, it's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say, cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Very helpful for knowing how to spell baloney. But the reality is for Gen X, commercials couldn't be avoided. If you recorded something on the VCR, you could fast forward through the commercials, but you had to do the recording first, right? You couldn't avoid commercials. And marketing wasn't yet customized like it is now. And we, in a sense, became walking billboards advertising the world. And what is crazy about this is we are the generation that was not marketed to. Marketers will tell you there was no sense in marketing to Gen X. We were too small. You market to the boomers and you market to millennials, but you don't market to Gen X. And yet, ironically, Gen X may be the most successfully marketed to generation of all time. And even more ironic, do you know why we are called Gen X? It's not that we got confused and thought the alphabet started with X. We are called Gen X because we did not want to be branded. We wanted to be brand X. And yet we were branded anyway. What irony. And that irony is not lost on us. Because irony is never lost on us. The fact of being in that crucible of transitioning the world and being forgotten at the same time means that sarcasm is our language. We are fluent in it. In fact, please do not ask me about current events right now. I cannot answer a lot of current events questions because my news people are on the writer's strike. I get my news from comedians. My news comes from Jon Stewart, from Seth Meyers. Uh, You know, that's where my news comes from. If it doesn't come with a joke, I don't want to hear it. And it's why I would say if you had to pick a Gen X prophet, I would pick Jon Stewart, or I would pick the creators of South Park. 
Um, They speak our language and they speak into our world and they still offer social critique that we all need to hear. And I find in Hosea a bit of that same biting sharpness, a bit of that same sarcasm, a bit of that, like, how does the world work like this in Hosea? And it contains what I think may be the most Gen X verse in the entire Bible. I can totally imagine this verse showing up on The Daily Show or in Monty Python. Here we go. I know I've read it to you before. It's Hosea 3.1. Then the Lord said to me again, go make love to a woman who has a lover and is involved in adultery, just as the Lord loves the people of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. What? Like, that's a non sequitur, right? Where does that come from? But it's hilarious to me, and that's because I am shaped of this worldview that sort of looks askance at the world because of what we've been through for the world. You know, there's a, there's a saying that Gen X's slogan should be sitting back and watching the world burn. And to some extent, there's some truth in that, but, but more it has to do with we've just been through a lot. We've seen a lot. Um, we've had a lot happen to us. And so... As Hosea and especially Hosea's family. But the thing is, about being this middle child generation, is that we are also your translators. Because we do understand the childhood of the silence and the boomers. We understand what it was like to ride bikes all around town. We know what that was. We also understand the worldview of the millennials and Gen Z. Because we helped form that worldview. We are fluent in all the languages of the generations. And so we can connect everyone as well. And for that, I am grateful to be in this position. Because what it does for us as a generation in that we feel a kinship with all of you, I think it reflects that God also feels a kinship with all of us. And that there is room everywhere for all of the people, for all the generations. And we can find a message for each one of the generations in this very book. That has been the point of this series. So that each generation knows they're being spoken to and about, invited into God's story and made part of God's world. All of us. And so in celebration of that, I'm going to invite us each to stand and stay standing as I call out your generation because there is room for all of us. There is room for the sarcastic Gen Xers. So if you were born from 65 to 80, please stand. There's room for the steadfast silence. If you were born before 1945, please stand. There's room for the idealistic boomers. If you were born between 1945 and 1964, please stand. There's room for the revolutionary millennials born between 1981 and about 1997, please stand. There's room for the brave Gen Zers born between 1998 and about 2012, you are a Gen Zer. And if you were born after 2012, there's room for the alphas who we have barely gotten to know just yet. Look at this. Look at this. There is room for us all. There's room for all of us in this church. 
There's room for all of us in the prophets. There's room for all of us in God's story. And there's room for all of us in God's heart. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace. Thank you.